The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on Tuesday, September 26, 2023. My name is Jacob Goins with you here on ESPN 106.7 for the next two hours in the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studios on a Tuesday afternoon. A little overcast, still humid and hot outside uh, as we get closer and closer to uh, the end of September and the start of October. Uh, lots going on around in the world of sports, especially with uh, Auburn athletics we have so much more football things to talk about today um i mean look i love you the listener i love you all calling in and you guys showed up and showed out yesterday we had tons and tons and tons and tons of callers yesterday on the show and it was awesome it was fantastic uh one of the best shows that i've done since i've been here uh when in regards to just the the engagement from you the listener and so i appreciate you Uh, i don't thank you enough for uh for listening to the show every single day or tuning in once a week or once a month whenever you tune in i don't thank you enough and so thank you so much for uh for being here uh as little or as much as you are i appreciate you you're the reason that i do what I do. Uh, Yesterday was a fantastic show. Uh, We had like 15 or something callers and an hour and a half because we had a guest in the second hour, uh, Jacob Hillman, who joins me on Monday. So in an hour and a half, the phone just kept ringing. I mean, two and three people at a time. And that tends to happen after an Auburn football loss a little bit more than it does after wins. But um, I mean, you guys were great yesterday. We had Four different states represented on the phone lines yesterday. Obviously, Alabama. We had Kentucky. We had a caller from Texas. Susan called in. Didn't quite get her on the air. We ran out of time, but she called in yesterday. It was great uh, for her to call back, and I'd love to hear from her later on uh, here this week on the show. And then we had a caller from Hawaii yesterday. Do you realize how cool that is? We had a, a caller listening to Auburn local Auburn Sports Talk Radio saying aloha from Hawaii. You can't beat that. It doesn't get any better than that, folks. So we're, we're doing great things here at ESPN 106.7. Excited to be here once again. Um, it's been a crazy day for me. I literally just got back a little bit ago uh, from over at Neville Arena. Um, Auburn basketball had their, uh, and Bruce Pearl had their opening uh, press conference and a a media luncheon. And so shout out to uh, Marlene, the wonderful SID for Auburn basketball and and head coach Bruce Pearl for uh, putting on a media luncheon. They provided a meal. He opened up the season as Auburn basketball gets started with practice today. Uh, The women's team got started yesterday and the men's team starts today this afternoon I think right about now and so um, that was today I got to talk with head coach Bruce Pearl hoping to have that audio for you 
and play that maybe maybe tomorrow uh, for you here on the show, but excited for the basketball season because we're a little over a month away. I know that's kind of crazy, but a little over a month away from basketball season as well. So that was today. Lots more to talk about when it comes to Auburn football, though, against Texas A&M. I've got Hugh Freeze's press conference that we're going to start the show off with today. I've got it broken up into two parts. We'll start with the beginning. If we can get both parts, we will. Um, and then I've got so much stuff stuff to talk about because I didn't say a whole lot yesterday. You guys carried the show yesterday and it was awesome. So I have some things to say. Phone lines are open while we're playing audio. If you want to call in and sit on hold, you're more than welcome to, or you can wait until the audio is done and then you can call in after that and tell me what's on your mind on a Tuesday afternoon. 334-321-1390. Again, this is the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. We're going to have head coach Hugh Freeze's uh, audio and press conference from yesterday. I'm going to talk some Auburn football, give you my full breakdown and thoughts of what happened on Saturday. Some of what Hugh Freeze had to say, we got to talk about today too. Don't you worry. And then Daryl Dapperich, Double D, joins us in hour number two coming up at 3.30. Should be a lot of fun, should be a great show, and we're off and running here on ESPN 106.7. So this is head coach Hugh Freeze yesterday in his press conference. Again, I've got it broken up into two parts. We'll start with the first half and then hopefully get to the second half as we go forward. Hey, good morning to you. It's uh, obviously uh, you, you never like to lose games, uh, particularly when you don't feel like you played your best. But um, a lot of a lot of things that um, that I liked from it, especially the defense. Um, I thought they played extremely hard, and um, there were some and shorthanded. Um, really easily could have uh, probably held those guys to around 13 points the two touchdown passes we were down to our third team weak safety who um, obviously didn't get enough reps um, but when Kaufman went down we had to take uh, Wooten and move him down there and um, you know we just we blew two coverages you know with uh, with a guy that just hadn't played a lot of snaps and um, we gotta we gotta just keep creating depth. But I thought they played um, you know a really solid game, and uh, proud of uh, that side and the staff. Obviously, offensively, um, I know you'll find this hard to believe, but it uh, you watch the tape and there was a lot of good things in the first half, and should have should have left the first half with a minimum of twelve points. Um, the two holding calls that we had first and 10 inside the 30 on both of them that uh, put us in behind the chains. We're not quite good enough yet to survive that. Um, and those were, we were running the ball effectively. And uh, then the the pressure was, was a good bit on us for sure when we had to get in those throwing downs. And I think they have one of the more talented defensive fronts, but we had people open and um, it was a mixture of, I think, us not standing in there and making a throw and then uh, also some, some times where I don't think we had time to uh, adequately step up and make the throw. So we've got to continue to work and coach that better and, um, and get us more consistent and stay out of the negative uh, play situations where um, we, we easily could have had some points in that first half and made that a game. So that's the frustrating part of it for sure. And, uh, man, but excited to be back home to play 
uh, one of the gold standards in college football right now uh, with what Coach Smart has done there. And uh, in his eighth season, is uh, he's got it rolling. And so it'll be a great test for us. Thank God we're at Jordan-Hare. I know it will be electric and um, we're, we're going to get the kids that are healthy enough. We're going to get them ready to play and, and compete in this game. Hugh, when you go on the road, the two things you can't do, turn the ball over and get get penalties in general. You didn't turn the ball over at all on the road in the SEC, but then you had 10 penalties. So how did you address that on Saturday, and how do you address that moving forward? Well, um, there's four of them that um, I, I didn't like, and I, I, I've turned them in. I don't. I don't see them. Then there's three that uh, two were intentional to try to back us up to to punt and uh, give Oscar a little more room to try to pin them deep. Um, the false start can't happen. We had one of those. Um, trying to remember what the others were. There was a holding call on a pass play that was uh, probably legit. Um, so, I mean, it was it was a mixed bag. You can't have 10 penalties, though, for whatever reason. And uh, it put us behind the chains and thought we controlled the second quarter. I think we had it for 12 minutes and came away with three points, which that's I think that defines the game. You, you control the ball 12 minutes and a quarter, you've got to get some points. And we, we certainly felt like um, we were in field goal range at least, forget touchdowns. Let's just say we were in field goal range on, on four, four different occasions and got knocked out either because of penalties or a sack after that. And um, those were that, that's really where the game. And then the seven-minute span in the third quarter um, where we did not get any first downs and, um, and they got explosive plays. Uh, for whatever reasons, I think just flipped the game. So uh, can't have the 10 penalties, and that's not typically who we are, and we've got to get that cleaned up. Good to see us not turn it over. Are you still heading into this week think with the same mindset of Peyton as QB1 and Robbie will get his touches in, in some facet? Yeah, we're still kind of uh, wading through that, but uh, that's probably uh, where it will land this week also. You know, the protection on the offensive line, I guess from what you said in your opening statement, kind of felt like sometimes holding on to the ball a little too much. Sometimes, um, you know, the line breaking down on the sacks, just kind of how did you see those sacks kind of? Kind yeah, it was of a combination. You know, I think there's uh, times that uh, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a plethora of responsibility, but ultimately it lands in my lap and the lap of the offensive coaches to uh, um, make sure the routes are run at the correct depth with the correct releases against the correct coverage. And then obviously the protection has to be good, which is it's very hard to, to do that in third and long situations against a talented defensive front that you see in these leagues. Um, and there were some times where, you know, the ball should have come out and it didn't. So I, I think it's uh, the responsibility lies um, in a lot of different places but uh, then you know he also had a great third down throw that puts us back in scoring position that we didn't catch um, and so it's, it's it it it's a combination of things and uh, but ultimately like I said it it lies with uh, with us the coaching staff to to get those things fixed 
Just following up on, on the uh, quarterbacks, talk about kind of Peyton probably being the one that you were going to look at this this week. Is You said that he has to keep earning the job. I guess how does he earn the job going forward at this point? Well, certainly with more consistent play, but there's, again, there's times I feel like we've we've let both Peyton and Robbie and Holden or whoever the quarterback is, I feel like we have let them down because of all the other components that go into the passing game. And um, that is where I'm determined to try to help get fixed this week before you give some final grade on on a quarterback's play. Um, it's just like when Robbie came in, you know, I thought he I thought he made a, a, a two really nice throws on, on two deep balls, and I thought the routes were were, were not run correctly. And um, so I know that quarterbacks and coaches get the the blame. Coaches, we deserve it. Quarterbacks don't always probably deserve it. Um, and so I think again, I've said we're still a work in progress with with the roster that we have. And I think this I've always kind of had in my mind that uh, you we have a I kind of divide the season up. So there's there's a season one, which is the season up until the until the open week. And um, then you've got a lot of evaluating to do that open week as to how you move forward from there. He already a roster that was was pretty beat up physical game on Saturday. Any updates on Damari, Zion, and, and some of those guys we saw going in on Saturday? Yeah, Damari will be out uh, for, for a period of time for sure. Um, I think they're doing some more tests today on that, but he, he had a dislocated shoulder for sure, and it's just a matter of you know, sometimes those things can heal on their own in time. Sometimes they, they, they require more more work, and uh, we, we really don't know. Uh, Kaufman tried, but uh, just kept being gimpy with the, with with the ankle, and uh, we'll have to see how he is day to day, uh, for sure. Um, Puckett obviously left with a shoulder, and that really hurt us. He was he was doing a good job of of keeping us on the same page back there in our coverages, and that really cost us two touchdowns um, when we had to move Wooten to to go to 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 the nickel position. Um, because uh, J.D. Rhyme couldn't play, and we already, you know, were without Keontae and Kaufman, and and so that uh, really took a toll on us and hurt us there. But um, all of those guys will be day-to-day. I don't think it's anything that's going to keep them out for a significant amount of time, but, but day-to-day. Coach, how, do you, how would you characterize what you guys were trying to accomplish early in the game on Saturday offensively and um, – would you would you point more toward execution or game plan? How much of that do you wear as a coaching staff? Loved the game plan. Thought we ran the ball really, really well the first two quarters. Had explosive runs. Again, controlled the entire second quarter with the run game and just didn't convert any drives and for the reasons I've already mentioned. Uh, so uh, second half game plan could have been better. Um, particularly in the third quarter. Um, but um, certainly I felt really good about the, the first half and, and the way we, I thought, blocked them, um, made a few mistakes that really hurt us um, on a few calls that uh, should have been executed. And obviously we haven't coached it well enough uh, that I thought would have been even more explosive plays. Got to transition and block better at the perimeter uh, that made those 
10 yard runs, 20 yard runs. So we still got it. We've got a lot of coaching to do on that side of the ball, but I, th I thought the game plan was really solid when you look at the film. People are running open. Uh, go watch the film. I mean, on the, on the routes that were designed, you know, either we didn't have enough time or we missed. We had a wheel route. This is probably a touchdown, and uh, we overthrow it and um, had a seam route with Fromm running wide open, missed that. Um, just, you know, you, we've got to make those plays when we have them, but uh, a lot of those designs were pretty good. Then we either have to coach it better or, or we've got to execute it better. It's a combination. Me? All right. Um, you played in some or coached in some major rivalry games, including Dag Bowl. Where does Georgia Auburn kind of stand up compared to that? Well, I mean, I don't want to quote something that's inaccurate, but it, I, I, it's the oldest rivalry in the South for sure. I don't, I don't know about nationally, but um, it's it's it's. It's, am, I, am I saying that correctly? Um, so um, I, I don't sense that it has, uh, um, I better not, I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I'm new here. <laughs> but I, I don't sense the hatred that is in some other rivalries that I've been a part of. But nonetheless, I think it's, uh, I think it's intense. Okay, well, I'll find out. Um, you know, I, I'm not big on hate. I, I'm really not. I'm, 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 I'm big on just, man, th this means something to so many people, so we should compete in a way out of love for our people, not necessarily for hate for other people. That's kind of the way I, I operate. But, man, I, I, I hope we compete because we love Auburn, and it means something to the Auburn people to compete against Georgia. So um, that, that'll, that'll be my approach. And um, But nonetheless, that – Love is a great motivator for me. So, yeah, Hugh, going back to Peyton, is there a big gulf between the guy and practice and the guy on the game field? Because practice was really good last week. I mean, he's uh, really sharp in practice. Really sharp in practice. Uh, last week, particularly, was really, really sharp in practice, and um, and um, we keep hoping to see that translate into the games. And again, it's a combination. It's not all Peyton. Um, but sometimes it is, and he owns it. Uh, we had a good meeting last night, um, and so we we just got to try this week to to get a plan in place that all execute and all understand totally, and that that falls on Philip and his staff, and ultimately on me. So that was the first half of Hugh Freeze's weekly press conference yesterday. I uh, had some interesting comments in there. I've got the other half of it. I don't think we're going to have time, but that's perfectly fine because I want to start talking a little bit uh, about what happened on Saturday and some of the comments that Hugh Freeze made uh, about the game itself, about his offense, of course, about the quarterbacks, and then looking ahead to what he said about Auburn and Georgia. And I know there's been a ton of people that have ran with some of the comments he made. And I really want to dive into all of that here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Phone lines are open. Give me a call. I want to hear from you. They're open for the next hour or so. 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me. What's on your mind? How are you feeling? What do you want to talk about on a Tuesday afternoon? And Give me a call. 334-321-1390. The Tuesday edition of On the Line continues after this. 
You are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, you heard part of Hugh Freeze's presser there from yesterday, and that was uh, part one. I I split it up into two. Uh, It's like 30 minutes long, so I don't have time uh, to play the entire thing. Um, But there were some interesting comments there from Hugh Freeze and his presser throughout the entire thing yesterday. And I want to focus right now on what he said about Auburn and Texas A&M, what he said about this offense, what he said about this team before we talk about later on his comments about uh, Auburn, Georgia, and all that mess. Um, Again, phone lines are open. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. And coming up, I'm going to give you my full breakdown, my full thoughts and opinions on what happened at College Station on Saturday. But based off of what Hugh Freeze said, and we had some callers talk about this yesterday, it seems like Hugh Freeze is really, really struggling with not calling plays. It seems like he's really struggling with that. Now, do I think he is still heavily involved in the offensive game planning? Absolutely. Do I think that Hugh Freeze is still... Does he still know what's going on with the offense before, during, and after a game? Yeah, absolutely. But he has already admitted that he is not calling plays, and he's already admitted that he is struggling with that. He's also told us that there have been times where he steps in and he overrides and calls a play that he wants to call. And from what we know, that has pretty much always worked so far in this early stretch at Auburn. But I've seen people talk about and bring this up. It's like, well, Hugh Freeze needs to be calling plays and the offense would just be solved. I don't know if I agree with that. Do I think it would help? I mean, sure, it would definitely help because we know what Hugh Freeze is as an offensive play caller and we know what he is as an offensive guy. But the problems on offense for Auburn, believe it or not, I don't think they're all just off of play calling. There have been some questionable calls. Don't get me wrong. But overall, I don't think play calling has been all that bad. Um, I I really don't think it's all going to be... I don't think it's been all that bad, for real. I, I really don't. We've seen talent differential. We've seen a major talent gap like we saw on Saturday. We saw an inefficiency to move the football. And we saw some questionable calls, sure, in the Sanford game, right when Auburn was testing some things out down in the red zone that led to a turnover. I understand that. But looking back on Saturday and going back and watching film versus Auburn and Texas A&M, there's always going to be a handful where I personally disagree or even you disagree or somebody else is like, yeah, I should have. they should have ran this play instead. There's always going to be that. But watching it live and going back and watching it again, I don't think the play calling was all that bad as some people say it is right now. There are things I'd like to see, and I already said, I think Auburn should have ran the ball even more on Saturday than they already did because you have to be able to adjust and I think Auburn has to find a way to do that 
Auburn should have realized on Saturday, throwing the football is not an option. Throwing the ball is not an option because Peyton Thorne was rattled, Peyton Thorne was not accurate, and the offensive line was not helping him out. You have to adjust and adapt in the SEC mid-game, mid-drive sometimes. You have to find a way to do that. And I think that's what Auburn has to figure out. And maybe that is Hugh Freeze stepping in and saying, look, and I think I said this yesterday, Hugh Freeze may have to step in here and say, look, until we get this thing really off the ground and we get the offense working, I'm stepping in to call plays. I'm going to handle the offense until we can start putting some points on the board, moving the ball up and down the field and scoring more than three points on offense. There's a lot to break down from this game on Saturday. I'm going to do it when we come back. That's a little sneak peek. We've got to talk about the offensive line. We have to talk about the quarterbacks. We have to talk about that defense that balled out once again and what Auburn has to do moving forward to really deal with all these injuries on both sides of the football. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We are halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. What's up? Jacob, I got a point about Peyton Thorne. A lot of people aren't talking about now. When this young man decided to make the move from Michigan State to Auburn, you heard a lot about it, but you heard of the two most, and I heard him say this himself, his two biggest qualities were his decision-making and his accuracy. Mm-hmm. Those are the two things. Have you seen either of those on the road? Uh, on the road, no. I, I have not exactly. seen either of those on the road, no. Well, I've seen it against Sanford, but you know, who cares about Sanford? Right, and that's the thing. I mean, he, he put up literally almost record numbers against Sanford, but th- what does that matter if you can't win on the road or against Power 5 competition? That's, that's the noise is you pointing that out. And Look, I don't know if the young man I, – I still think I still think he's a different player at home and on the road, which is fine, I guess, to a degree. But if, if Auburn, I'm telling Auburn fans right now, if you're content to play great defense and run the ball, then you will be lucky to be 6-6. Six six. Really? Yeah, we will be lucky to be six of six. I promise you. See, I think I think that almost needs to be Auburn's mo. I mean, play really good defense and run the football with Jarquez Hunter. We know Demari Austin's out for the foreseeable future. I'm not sure what the timetable is. There has a shoulder issue. Uh, you've got Jeremiah Cobb. We know, we know the guys there. And mm-hmm. and look, here's a really something that people should consider. If you do go to play defense and run the football. You really have to consider Robbie Ashford as QB1 because of the running threat that he brings. If you go to that style of football, it needs to be Robbie Ashford. I would rather it be Peyton Thorne to where you have the throwing threat, but if it on Saturday or even the next Saturday or whatever it may be, if he has proven that he just isn't the guy, then I think you have to make that consideration. Yes, especially if he's going to be missing guys wide open. Wide open. And not not even close. (laughs) Not even close. You're absolutely right. He, th- he overthrew the wheel ride. Guy was just streaking wide open. He overthrew him by two yards, two or three yards. Terry, I think either you and I could make that throw. Yeah, probably. Um, and I just don't understand. I just, 
look, and I know this is not going to go over well. I like Brian Batie, and mm-hmm. he's a tough little he's a tough little character. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, he he is a guy that's best in space, and he can make and make a make a mockery out of you in space. But from the line of scrimmage, no, nah. no. Nah. I think that's fair. I mean, I think nah. his size definitely limits him just trying to run in between the tackles, but. I don't think Auburn has to use him that way. They've got a couple bruisers. They have Jarquez they Hunter. They have Damari if he's healthy. They have Sean they Jackson Sean if you Jackson. want to use him. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, He needs to be used. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think somebody like Brian Batie and Jeremiah Cobb, use them out in the flat, dump it off to them, have them be the check down guys, get them the football, and let them do the rest. They've already proven they can show off and let them do give, it. Give Brian Batie the chance to make a play in space. Yep. That's where he is effective. I 100% agree, Terry. So just want to make those points, Jacob. You have a great, have a great day. Appreciate it. You too, Terry. Great to hear from you. 334 321 1390. That was Terry. I've got somebody else on the other line. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? It's Dan. Hey, Dan. How are you, man? I'm doing pretty good. What's on your mind? Right, so I got you. uh, not a whole lot. Um, I just got a couple of interesting points. Um, if you told me before the game even started, that the Auburn defense was going to score a touchdown, that we were going to hold them to six points in the first half, and we were going to knock their quarterback out before the half. I'd have been like, man, we're going to win this game. Yeah, I think most people would have said that. <laughs> I mean, I think most people would say that, really. Yeah, so so really, if you think about it, our defense is playing at a high level. Yes, we're having some injuries. Uh, even the bomb that they threw – in the third quarter and that they caught it was a perfect pass. I yes. Mean, you know, but I went back and looked, you know, I did a little spreadsheet on everything, mm-hmm. which I typically do. And if you look at the talent difference, Texas a has about 25 star guys on their two deep roster. Mm-hmm. And they got even more than that behind it. And then they have a plethora of four star guys. Our whole team, I think we only have one guy that I don't even know if he was consensus five-star um, in uh, Keldrick Falk. He was playing 20 snaps. Who played and, really and well. You can't tell me you go on the road against that type of talent. You're basically playing Alabama or Georgia on the road almost in terms of talent. It's going to be hard to win, so you're going to have to play great. You're not going to be able to make mistakes. You know, So it's not shocking really how it ended up, you know, yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And I, and I think, look, I've said this already. Hugh Freeze tried to tell us that. He tried to say that on Monday, last Monday, without really just coming out and saying it is the next three or four teams that Auburn is playing are astronomically more talented than them. It has nothing to do with the guys personally or their personalities or their character, anything like that. We're looking at just skill on the football field. These teams are more talented than Auburn because these programs are in a better situation than Auburn. And Dan, you're absolutely right. When you play a team like that, you ha- especially on the road, you have to play near perfect football. And I think defensively, Auburn they played a, a great game defensively. And there's, I don't think there's hardly anything that you can pick apart from this except the fourth quarter when you're playing with your third string guys offensively just about everything was bad you didn't turn the ball over but you didn't move the ball or do anything else and so you're absolutely right Dan you you have to play exquisite football when you're playing with as minimal talent as Auburn is compared to everybody else in the SEC yeah and I mean even when we knocked their quarterback out you know they're putting in a 
a senior who started two years at LSU. Right, you're you're bringing in an SEC guy anyway. So I mean, you're you're still playing a good quarterback, and and we know Auburn's history with making backup quarterbacks look pretty good. Yeah, but look, I think at least there are guys open, like in the passing game. There are guys open. If we can just get that figured out, if we can cut back on the penalties, you know, I I really think this system's going to slowly get better and better. But yeah, it is. And, and, you know, you spoke to the, the expectations as well, and, and Hugh Freeze had some, some really interesting comments about those yesterday, and, and I think he's spot on with, you know, it, it's going to take some time. And I know that's not a very popular thing in college football nowadays, uh, but, but Dan, it, it is going to take some time. And I, I think most Auburn fans are understanding of that, but not all. Well, I appreciate you, Jake. I appreciate everything you do. Yeah, appreciate the call, Dan. Always great to hear from you, man. 334-321-1390. I appreciate Terry and Dan both calling in to give their thoughts. Um, and that leads into me talking about what I have to say because I, I've, I've been responding to a lot of you, my callers, and I, I love you guys calling in and want you to continue to do so. Um, and it leads into a lot of the points that I've been wanting to make, and I've made quite a few of them. But I love... I love that Hugh Freeze got on the mic yesterday and he talked about those expectations. He talked about them. Because I promise you, nobody feels that and hears that more than Hugh Freeze himself. Nobody wants to win worse than he does. Nobody wants to be better than he does. Nobody wants Auburn to be better than he does. But I also think Hugh Freeze is a realist. I think he's a realist, and I think he understands that no matter what he did when he walked in the door, and he did a heck of a job, did he not? He did a heck of a job when he walked in here, bringing in extra talent from recruiting and through the transfer portal. Imagine what this team would be if he didn't do that, right? Imagine what it would be if he didn't bring all those extra guys in. But even with those guys, and even with everything that he's done so far it's still going to take some time it's going to take time to build this program where it needs to be it's going to take time to steal recruits from other schools we've seen them start to do it you're going to have a bunch of recruits on campus this weekend he said they're not going to have enough room for them but it takes effort it takes time it takes patience And my good friend Daryl Daprich, who will join us on the show in hour number two, he had a great tweet about this yesterday, about Auburn fans expecting success early because of past experiences with first-year head coach having early season success and early career success. And that's understandable. But Hugh Freeze called him out, not in a bad way, But he said, hang with us. Bear with us. He talked about that from the very beginning, from his opening press conference when he got hired as the Auburn head football coach. He talked about those things. He said, you got to bear with us. Hang in there. Folks, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, there's a chance it gets worse than it already is. This thing may get worse before it gets better. Do I think Auburn competes this weekend against Georgia? Yeah, I do. But there's a pretty good chance that Auburn loses on Saturday. And guess what? 
there's a pretty good chance that Auburn goes on the road and loses to LSU in two weeks. And there's a decent chance that Ole Miss could come to town and beat you. So there's a chance that it take a couple steps back before you take those few steps forward. But Hugh Freeze is telling you to hold on. He's telling you to bear with him. Because I think there are some positives that you can pick out of a game like Saturday. Look at the defense. Look at how they played. Look at the studs that are on this team all over the field. Can we all agree that even though there's a massive talent differential, there is a massive talent gap? Dan just broke it down for us beautifully. Between Auburn and a Texas A&M, and even more so Auburn versus Georgia this Saturday, and again with Auburn versus LSU in a couple of weeks, even though there's a big differential, a big gap there, we can all agree that Auburn has some players. Auburn has some serious talent on this team. But across both sides of the ball, and on the two and three deep, that's where Auburn can't compete. Not yet. They cannot compete yet. But guys like Eugene Asante, who continues to do work, who continues to do his thing, those are the guys that will help Auburn stay alive, just stay slightly above water this season. And those are the guys that you have to watch and root for. Root for the whole team, but those are the ones that really give you confidence for this season and moving forward. 334-321-1390. Got a couple of phone calls. I will get to the first one before we get to break. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, this is Spectre. Hey, Spectre. How are you, man? Am I on? Yep, yep. Spectre, you're on. I got you, man. What's up? Okay, look, I want to address what Free said. You know, uh, I don't – I can only speak for myself. I don't speak for others. Mm -hmm. I don't expect success. I'd like to see it, but I don't expect it. But I do not expect regression. That's totally fair, yeah. The first game, we we look good. No mistakes, no penalties. Second game, oops, something's going wrong. Third game, all right. Well, we did real good in the third game. That fourth game, we didn't take anything from that third game to the fourth game. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. But I want to see some improvement. If we, you know, if we're not going to be successful, at least I want to see some improvement. Yeah, and I think that is extremely warranted. And that's something I talked about in the beginning of the season was in these games where Auburn's not going to be favored, they are going to be out-talented and will most likely lose – I want to see Auburn compete and work on some things and, like you just said, get better and make some progressions on the field and off the field because that helps in recruiting too. You know that. Yes. Also, um, he spoke about how well everybody looks in practice. You know, there was was a caller that we had. His name was Shadow. And he always was wondering why we weren't live in practice. And – I think that's a problem. I mean, if uh, if Peyton Thorne is not live in practice, how do you know he's improving? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I feel like they're going live. We only get a very limited, you know, I mean, we get a 30-minute window as the media. We'll get one today, and we normally just get some drills and stuff. But it's crazy because Freeze talked about it again yesterday that Peyton Thorne had his best practice wearing the orange and blue, and yet it wasn't a good performance on Saturday. So there's definitely some concern there. Yeah, it's, the situation is I don't expect the defense to drill Peyton into the ground. Right. But boards, I expect them to knock them offensive players back off their feet or whatever to get to him. Mm-hmm. And if that's not happening, then, yeah, he's going to look good in practice. Yeah, I think that's 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 actually an interesting point, Spectre. It really is. And, I, I mean, I can't speak to that because we don't know, right? We're not there. But you're right. If they're not pressuring him and if he's not feeling that stress and feeling an SEC defense truly coming after him, then, yeah, how are you supposed to know? And maybe maybe he was just doomed on Saturday because he had never seen anything like that. I don't know. That's right. Well, he's taking to get his biggest test of the year from the SEC. Yeah, you better believe it. All right, guys. Talk to you later. Appreciate it, Spectre. Great to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll get to our final break. Come back. We'll get to the phone lines once again. Would love to hear from you as we roll on here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Let's get back to the phone lines here on a Tuesday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. And Shane, you're on the line. Appreciate you holding on through the break, man. What's up? Yeah, man, no, no problem. Um, just wanted to chime in on the obvious. Yeah, right of course. Um, I I feel like we um, – I know you probably touched on this and maybe you go back and forth, but – uh, we paid Hugh Freeze to come here and coach, and and it just feels like he's he's too timid right now. And he, you know, he's trying to walk that line of of pleasing board members and and appeasing to the fans, and he doesn't want to upset anybody. And I feel like he needs needs, you know, when he was at Liberty, even with inferior players, he's winning and, and stuff because he had nothing to lose. You know, I feel like he needs needs to have that a little bit of fire in him. I love the guy. I love him. I just feel like he needs a little bit of fire under his belly, and um, the players will feed off of that. Even the lack, we don't, you know, the few that we have right now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like they would feed off of the of the head coach, and I feel like they are feeding off the head, you know, feeling feeding off of that head coach's vibe because. It's just it's just too. It feels like too soft and timid, or you know, right now, and. Um, I feel like we need that that head coach that that was at Liberty, lighting up the scoreboard with an Auburn quarterback, you know, and mm-hmm. the one that was at Ole Miss lighting up the scoreboard. We don't have that right now, and 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 I don't know if that's going to be Robbie or or Peyton Thorne, but I feel like if if it was Robbie by the end of the year, he would be a good passer as well. I feel like if he had the opportunity to be QB one. Number one, we're going to have a better chance to win under what Hugh Freeze was like, you know, is named for, and and then you know by the end of the year, with that much experience, I feel like he'll be a good quarterback at that point. But that's just that's just me. Yeah, no, I think those are those are both um, um, interesting points. I really haven't heard anybody say that about Hugh Freeze and his, uh, I guess his his energy or his his fire or anything like that. Um, and you know, right, we, you know, like 
like like like at uh, press conferences conferences and and mm-hmm. whatnot. Like it's just like he's trying to say what we want to hear. Versus, like, you, yeah, we're, we're going to go go out there and we're, we're going to get a, a chance to win. Not like, you know, well, you know, they've got better players, they've got more players, and it might take a couple years, uh, you know, to get there. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, it, it, just think about it. When he was at Liberty, he, he was going out and beating SEC teams. Yeah, but I also think that it's also reality a little bit, too, because it is year one. We're, what, four games into his tenure here, and I think some oh, of I those things yeah, are reality. I expect to win every game. Right, but, I was, but again, I still think he's trying to figure it out, too. I think he's trying to learn this team and learn who he can rely on and who he can trust and who he does need to lean in on because you can't go in on on one guy too much and then get burned or, or you're still trying to figure out who your players really are and who your coaches are and if they're all going to work together. I mean, you got to think, we're just off the ground in this thing compared to when he was at Liberty and he went on the road and beat Arkansas. He had already been there for a little bit. You know what I mean? So I feel like I get what you're saying and I still think he's trying to wade the waters of, of being Auburn's head coach and dealing with a very uh, passionate and, and, and wanting to win fan base plus everything else on the back end, too. I still think he's just trying to, to figure all that out. Right, but, you know, he didn't have players. When he first got to, to Liberty, he was working with probably less and and winning more, but the the, the thing is we're not competitive right now uh, in, in, on offense. We, we I don't see any, in, in, you know, the quarterback we brought in is over. He's he's not seeing the field for whatever reason it is. Mm-hmm. He's not seeing it. I, I mean, I could have thrown some passes and, and hit some, <laughs> some players this past weekend. I agree, man. Um, I agree. Well, you know, I think so, he's addressing so those right. things. I think he's addressing those things. I'm confident in that. Do you think well, – one last thing, I'll, I'll not get out of here. Do you think that <clears throat> that he'll – try to play uh, to, to, to call more plays this time yes that, yes see, that's that's what i feel uh, that's what i'm trying to get was trying to get at we need that hugh freeze to play you know i feel like he would have that fire again if he could play you know he feels kind of stuck and, mm-hmm. I, and I get it yep i agree uh, shane got to do it we're up against we're, the break brother go, man. appreciate your call you. always great to talk to you hour number two we're going to respond to that coming up here on espn 106.7 don't go anywhere an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. 
Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway in hour number two here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour, you know where to find the podcast at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Um, lots of phone calls in hour number one. has been a, a real trend here over the last couple of days and I absolutely love it. Uh, Lots of phone calls in that first hour. Also played some of Hugh Freeze's press conference from yesterday. Not all of it, but got some of it in there um, and played that a little bit for you uh, here today. So again, if you missed any of that, you can listen to it later on today with hour number two as well uh, when we post it commercial-free right after the show. So be sure you go and check that out at ESPNAU.com and on the line wherever you just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Also, um, so that was in the first hour. Here in the second hour, uh, we're going to talk some more Auburn and Texas A&M, give you some more of my thoughts. I've been answering questions and and really responding to what you all listeners have to say um, in some really interesting points. Uh, this afternoon some ones that I haven't fully thought about um, and I think it's really interesting that just the different perspectives right the different angles the different opinions about what happened on Saturday and the expectations I guess or maybe even the realizations moving forward uh, for Auburn football so uh, I've really enjoyed hearing you all talk to me about that and phone lines are still open would love to hear from you in the next uh, 25 minutes or so 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to us Daryl Daprich will join me coming up at 330 he's got some things to say about Auburn football and some comments from the comments uh, from Hugh Freeze and so uh, excited to talk with Daryl he's always a blast he's always fun and he always has some interesting takes as well so that's coming up at 3 30 but until then phone lines are still open 334-321-1390 as we've been talking about this Auburn to Texas A&M game and as we've been talking about just what in the world happened at Kyle Field on Saturday there's been a lot of takes coming out of the game but And we know the offensive struggles, right? I haven't got to fully talk about it, but so many of my callers and guests and listeners have covered it so extremely well. Um, We know the quarterback struggles, right? I talked about play calling in the first half where I wasn't overly disappointed in play calling, um, but I think a lot of Auburn fans have started to really ask the question, is Hugh Freeze going to step in and take over full-time play calling? I think he's going to be a lot more involved. Does he eventually take over full-time? Maybe. I think we're just going to have to wait and see. I can't can't confidently give you a yes or no on that because I don't know. Um, But I do think he will be more involved. I've talked just to the limits about the talent differential between Auburn and some of the opponents they're going to play in the SEC this season. And I talked about this yesterday where the biggest difference in talent that I saw was on Auburn's offensive line going against Texas A&M's defensive line. Because we know A&M has five stars all over the place on the defensive defensive side of the football. And we know that Auburn has had to recruit and pull guys out of the transfer portal and sort of plug and chug on the offensive line and just hope that it worked. And it's much better than it was, but you could see the difference on Saturday going up against high-level SEC talent. I think the running game was good. 
I was impressed with the running game, but I found myself saying it out loud, verbally out loud, multiple times, run the ball more. Oh, that was a nice running play. Do it again. That's what I found myself saying so many times on Saturday. And you saw it. Auburn's offense looked the best, whether you like it or not. And I think there's a lot of people that do, especially with how Peyton Thorne performed. Auburn's offense looked the best when Robbie Ashford was in the football game. It wasn't throwing the ball because I still don't think his passing ability is there. But him being in the football game with the ability to run the ball, not every play worked. There were a couple times at A&M they finally figured out, okay, there's a good chance that when Robbie Ashford's in the game, they're going to run the football. They figured that out. But they still moved the ball with him. He threw a touchdown pass and it got dropped. Okay? Auburn's offense looked the best when they were running the football. And I said, why not put him in and just run triple option? Let's go back to 2013, flash to the past, and just run the triple option. No, it's not going to be pretty, and you're not going to throw for 300 yards, but Auburn can't even throw for 100 yards right now. So why try? If the offensive line can't hold up, and the receivers are somewhat getting open, but again, you had a drop touchdown pass, and the quarterback can't hit the receiver even if he is open, then why are we trying to throw? Why? Why is Auburn trying to throw the ball? I'm not saying that Auburn should just totally punt on the idea of throwing in general. You would like to just see them get better. But until that happens, you got to run the ball. Now, you do understand that Damari Austin is out for uh, a foreseeable time. I don't know what that's going to be. Um, but for, I would assume, the next couple of weeks, uh, Damari Austin uh, will, be, will be out. Um, you still have Jarquez Hunter. You still have Jeremiah Cobb. You still have Brian Batie, who I think has looked really, really good so far with the football in his hands. Get it out in space and get it to your playmakers. Jay Fair, as your number one receiver, should have more than one touch of the football in a game. That's what he had on Saturday, was one. He had one touch. That has to change. I do want to talk about the defense, because I have not had a full chance to talk about this, and I would really like to. Shout out once again to that Auburn defense. Shout out to guys like Eugene Asante. Right? Like a Donovan Kaufman who I know struggled to stay fully healthy, but he was out there, right? You saw guys like Nehemiah Pritchett and J.D. Rim. Those guys made a difference on Saturday. And once again, in a Power 5 game for the second time this year, the defense was the reason that Auburn had any chance in this football game. They were the reason Auburn won the game against Cal, let's just be honest. And again on Saturday against Texas A&M, the Auburn defense did their job. Now, I know Texas A&M scored 27 points, and I know that 21 of those came in the second half. But to Hugh Freeze's point, and he's absolutely right, it's not an excuse, it's just reality, you're playing with your third string by that point. Because Auburn, once again, could not avoid the injury bug. And I think there's got to be some legitimate concern 
Because on Saturday, my dad asked me about this. I was watching the game with him. And he said, is it not concerning that Auburn's players are just dropping everywhere? That Auburn is just hurt constantly? That, and I tweeted about it. That after almost every drive, somebody on Auburn was, is getting hurt? Why is that? That's what my dad asked me. He asked me that question, and I said, you know, I don't know. That's a really good question, Dad. I don't know. But it is concerning. It's concerning for the players themselves because we've got two guys that are out indefinitely with Austin Keys and Keontae Scott. You've got guys who are constantly battling injury, like Donovan Kaufman and Nehemiah Pritchett, who are fighting to be on the football field. Offensive linemen that had to get healthy this past week. Now you've got Damari Austin, who's out for the foreseeable future. Like, there are some major concerns injury-wise. And what did I tell you last week? I said, Auburn has zero chance in the SEC playing conference games if they can't stay healthy. Because we already know the talent differential. If you start getting banged up and you really hurt your depth, then you're really going to be in trouble. I mean, you're going to be in trouble if you can't stay out of your own way with injuries. Now, I know you can only avoid that so much, and and, and stuff happens. I get that. But Auburn's got to find a way to stay healthy here. But shout out to the defense once again, who stepped up when they had to, made plays when they had to. Eugene Asante, once again, being the, the home wrecker, on that side of the football the fumble recovery for a touchdown and I haven't had a chance to talk about the whole Jimbo Fisher thing what are you doing man what are you doing on the field I'm talking to Eugene tomorrow for Tiger Takes here on ESPN I cannot wait I can't wait to get his thoughts on that because what do you do when you're running down the sideline and you look to your right and the opposing head coach is standing on the field. Blows my mind, man. Blows my mind. But again, guys like him are keeping Auburn in football games. And so think about it this way, Auburn fans. If the offense does figure it out, if Auburn can find, maybe it's Peyton Thorne that just gets comfortable and finds a rhythm and gets a little bit of help from his offensive line, gets just a second or two more in the pocket to either step up, throw it away, or find a check down, or maybe even find an open receiver. If he can get that and build some confidence and actually hit his receivers when he needs to, right? If those things start happening and Auburn can continue to run the football and the defense continues to play like it is, Auburn has a chance to win some football games this season. I think you'll have a chance to beat Georgia this weekend if you do that. I think you'd have a chance to beat LSU, which is going to be tough. It's on the road. I think you'd have a really good chance to beat Ole Miss at home at the end of October. Mississippi State, great chance to win. Vanderbilt, great chance to win. Arkansas, good chance to win. And then Alabama, good chance to win. If those things happen. But they have to happen. And Peyton Thorne, there's no doubt, he's got to play better. I think we all know that. I think we all can agree on that. He has to play better. Was this just another bad road performance? I don't know. Was this just a bad performance in an SEC opener? 
possibly. Is this from a, a lack of support around him? Maybe. I think there's multiple different directions you could go here. But overall, he has to be better. And Auburn's in a really, really tough and unique time period in the schedule because you have this game against Georgia before you have a before you have a bye week. And you're about to be on your fifth game of the year. It's really, really tough to change quarterbacks at this point in the season, which is what a lot of Auburn fans have already been calling for early this week. A lot of you have been calling for Peyton Thor to be benched and for it to be Robbie Ashford. Some of you have been calling for Holden Garner to step in there, the third string guy, and have him get reps. And reps are the biggest thing. Reps are the biggest thing because I think Peyton Thorne still needs reps in the SEC. We had, I believe, Spectre uh, calling in the first hour talking about Robbie Ashford for him to develop as a passer in the SEC. He needs reps. And Hugh Free said it in his press conference at the end of it yesterday saying that Holden's still young and he needs reps. There's only so many snaps to go around, folks. And you can't play three different quarterbacks in an SEC game unless it's a a foregone conclusion that you're going to lose like it was late on Saturday against Texas A&M. So what do you do? Where do you go? It's a tough situation to be in. Put yourself in those shoes. Put yourself in the shoes of Hugh Freeze, Philip Montgomery, and everybody on the offensive staff. What do you do with the quarterback situation right now? Do you stick with the guy that you brought out of the transfer portal that was a two-year starter at a Power 5 school that was expected to be your guy, has pretty much been the guy since he got here, who has struggled out of the gate? You've seen the potential versus lesser talent, lesser opponents, right? You've seen the potential of Peyton Thorne. Do you stick with him and bank on what you know he can do and hope that it works out? and that he builds that confidence, and that he can get some help on up front, and that he can just become and find what we know he has? Or do you go with Robbie, who we know the potential is through the roof? The athleticism, it's better than any of them, who can give you that running ability, that running option, but the accuracy hasn't really been there in his Auburn career. Where do you go? I mean, it's a tough situation. And if you want my personal thought on it, to this point, I know the Cal game wasn't good. I know the Texas A&M game wasn't good. But you went and got Peyton Thorne for a reason, right? You went and got a transfer portal quarterback for a reason. If you didn't need him, if Robbie was good enough or if you believed in Robbie enough, or you trusted him enough to put him in at this point in the season, especially with it being Georgia of all teams, the number one team in the country, if you trusted him to begin with, you never would have gone and gotten Peyton Thorne. And so for you to go get him and for him to ultimately win the starting job, I think you got to stick with him. I think you got to stick with him. Because again, we've seen what the potential is. And not even the potential. We know what he can do. 
We know his skill level. We've seen it at Michigan State, and we've seen it early on at Auburn against group of five and lesser opponents. That is still in there. You just got to find it. You just got to have him become what we know he is. Versus going to Robbie, if you throw him in there this week, or it, if a change is going to be made, it would be during the bye week, I would think. That would make the most sense to me, is that if a change were to be made at quarterback, it would be during the bye week. But if that change is going to be made, you can't go back. You can't put Robbie in and him have a bad game and say, oh, well, actually, I think we messed up. Peyton, you're back in. You don't want to do what Alabama's doing right now. Believe me. That was not a good idea. It may work out because Milrose just that talented, but you don't want to be doing that. I think if you're Auburn, you got to stick with Peyton Thorne for now. You went and got him for a reason. You saw something in him that you really liked. And the good quarterback is in there. You just got to draw him out. 334-321-1390. We'll talk some more about this when we come back. Talk about some of those comments Hugh Freeze had from his press conference as well. And then coming up at the bottom of the hour in about 10 minutes, uh, Daryl Daprich will join us on the phone lines. Frequent guest of Locked On Auburn and Montgomery Radio Legend will join us on the phone lines as he does every Tuesday here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7. are on the line on ESPN 1067, online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here between 2 and 4 p.m. each and every weekday on ESPN 106.7. A reminder that the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge is your Tiger pregame destination for all fans on Saturdays during the fall. Home of the original Warburger, the Plaza Bar offers an easy and exciting menu to go along with fantastic drink specials. Enjoy the kid and dog-friendly Plaza patio while keeping up with all of the other football action leading up to kickoff in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturdays. Located at 800 Main Street in Midtown off of Opelika Road, the plaza offers happy hour from 4 to 6 every single weekday. Don't forget about that Sunday brunch before you leave town, Tiger fans. The Plaza Bar and Lounge, your pregame stop in Auburn. So be sure you go and check them out. Really, really neat place. Got a bunch of TVs, great food, um, Just a lot going on over there in Midtown, just off of Opelika Road. Go over and check them out. They are our uh, studio sponsor between 2 and 4 p.m. each and every weekday here on ESPN 106.7. So shout out to them. Appreciative of them being a studio sponsor. Got a couple of minutes before um, we get to Daryl Daprich uh, from Locked on Auburn and uh, the Montgomery radio legend himself. He'll be joining us at 3.30 at the bottom of the hour. If you want to hop in real quick, 334-321-1390. I want to look at just a few results from over the weekend. We've been talking a lot of Auburn and Texas A&M, and we're going to talk more about that with Daryl coming up in just a few minutes. Um, but looking around college football, I know we had some reactions and, and some callers talking talking about this yesterday but man what a great weekend right I mean what a great weekend that it was in college football um you had uh Florida State and Clemson playing at the same time Auburn and Texas A&M were you had Florida State winning that game in overtime Uh, Ohio State escaping uh with a win over Notre Dame in heartbreaking fashion for the Irish in a really really good football game that that was there in South Bend um Penn State 
did exactly what everybody thought they would to Iowa and blanked them 31 nothing. Washington, the team to look out for. I'm just letting you know. Washington's a really, really good football team. How good is their defense? I don't know. But Michael Penix Jr. is an awesome football player. I mean, he went for 300 yards and four touchdowns through the air um, against Cal on Saturday night. And that game was over before you could even flip over to the TV channel to pull it up. So uh, shout out to Washington. Pac-12 is still a great conference, folks. I'm just telling you. I said it to start the year. The Pac-12 is the best conference of college football. You may not know it by the end, but right now it's pretty hard to deny it. Speaking of the Pac-12, Oregon took care of Colorado. Uh, Seemed like that train and that hype train if you will has sort of died down a little bit and Colorado uh, may get uh, another another beat down on Saturday this coming Saturday I believe they play USC this weekend so it isn't in, in Colorado but they host Caleb Williams and USC so um, don't really know what's going to happen there in Colorado I think they're going to be brought back down to earth a little bit um, one of the best games of the day was Arkansas and LSU and this game was happening at the same time that Ohio State Notre Dame was happening but what a fantastic football game and shout out to KJ Jefferson and Arkansas who did everything they could to win that game I mean they lose 34-31 and it was basically whoever had the football last won the game and LSU ended up winning 34-31 really really good game Arkansas put up a much better fight than I thought they would coming off the loss to BYU I did say Arkansas would cover 17 and a half points uh, but I did not expect them to have chances to win that football game so shout out to them Um, they've got to find a way to get back up and do their thing Uh, they play uh, at Texas A&M, I think, this weekend. So uh, credit to, to Arkansas and, and see if they can bounce back. We all watched Ole Miss in Alabama. Bama figured it out. Um, Ole Miss had their chances. I mean, absolutely had their chances. But you score a touchdown in the opening quarter, and then you score three in the next three quarters, three points in the next three quarters. Like, that can't happen if you're Lane Kiffin – and Ole Miss. Um, statistically, this was a pretty ugly game from a quarterback standpoint, from uh, just an offensive standpoint. Uh, Jalen Milrow, 17 of 21 for 225, had a touchdown and an interception. Jackson Dart went for 244, uh, went 20 on 35, no touchdowns and a pick. So McClellan looked good for Alabama, the running back. Um, I think he had, uh, let's see, 17 carries for over 100 yards and a touchdown, so they definitely leaned on him. But a lot of people were talking going into this game, myself included, that if Lane Kiffin didn't do it now, if you can't beat Alabama now, are you ever going to do it? When it seemed like Alabama was just about at their lowest, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss had a chance to go to Tuscaloosa and play spoiler once again, And they weren't able to do it. A lot of people were saying that's the one chance he was going to get. I don't know if I fully am on that, but it definitely felt that way. It definitely felt that way. In Alabama, not only did they win, they also covered. And they win 24-10. Are the problems fixed in Tuscaloosa? Absolutely not. (laughs) I mean, there's just there are multiple issues going on over there. They didn't quite get it all figured out. But a win in the SEC will sure help that case, and that's exactly what they got with a 24-10 win over Ole Miss. They travel to Mississippi State 
and two Texas A&M before playing Arkansas and Tennessee after that. So we'll see if Alabama's truly got it all figured out. When we come back, Daryl Daprich, a guest on Locked on Auburn and making appearances all over the state on sports radio shows. He joins me when we come back. Double D will tell you what he thinks about Auburn football moving forward after Texas A&M and the Georgia game coming up on Saturday. Don't go anywhere. Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on a busy edition of On the Line on a Tuesday afternoon. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. And joining me as he does every Tuesday afternoon at 3.30, it's Double D, Daryl Daprich on the phone lines. He's a guest on Locked on Auburn on Fridays and the reaction shows on the weekends. And uh, you're up to about 105 radio appearances a week, Daryl. How are you, man? We appreciate you and your time as always. Man, I'm doing great. I love coming on with you on Tuesday afternoon. So uh, thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Of course, man. It's always a blast. And I look forward to this interview each and every week and, and, you know, talking with you outside of here as well. But getting you on the show is always fun because you always have interesting perspectives and takes on on Auburn athletics and and of course we're talking Auburn football and the loss on the road to Texas A&M on Saturday before we get into a lot of the deeper storylines and the things that have been happening over the past couple of days just want to get your breakdown and takeaways from what you saw offensively and defensively for Auburn in the loss at Texas A&M on Saturday. Well, you know, I felt like going in, and we talked about it last week, that there would be chunk plays there, and there would be guys running open in the secondary. And also, I felt like they were going to take away the quarterback run game with a spy. Half of that came to fruition. I think Texas A&M did a really good job of taking away Peyton Thorne's running lanes and the quarterback keepers and the quarterback draws. But there were receivers open, and there were plays to be made early on in the game and I understand that when you lose 27 to 10, you can't go back to certain plays early in a game and say, well, you would have lost 27 13. Well, you know, I think the complexion of games and the flow of games and the, and the way games kind of stack up, they could change depending on, you know, if it's a one score game, if it's 7 6 going into halftime instead of 6 3. If you hit on a couple of big plays like that, what does that do later on in the game for your confidence and how they scheme you defensively and that kind of thing? So I never throw away and think it's unimportant scores that you could get earlier if the game gets larger at the end. I think that could change the outcome or or the way that the the game is is being played Mm -hmm. if those plays are hit early. And I think Auburn missed on those. Now, I was surprised they ran the ball as effectively as they did. And I was, you know, very impressed again with the defense. They got gassed. They, you know, they missed some tackles early. And all credit, they missed some tackles and, and that kind of thing. But they played well overall and I think wore down as the game went on because of the amount that they had to be on the field. But, again, I, I just don't think we need to throw away or understand this or downplay the significance of missing plays early in a game and penalties coming, you know, being called that, stall drives on you early in the game. 
points matter and they can dictate the outcome of a game and the way that it comes out. You know, basically how the script changes. And I think that's what that's what hurt Auburn as they got into the second half of the football game. Yeah, I think there was a lot of that, and I think there was um, something that Hugh Freeze talked about in his press conference, not yesterday, but the week prior, talking about the Texas A&M game, um, just alluding to the fact that, look, these teams are going to be more talented than Auburn, and I've talked a lot about that in these first couple of days, and, and I'm curious on what your take is, Daryl. Where did you where do you think the biggest differential in talent was between Auburn and Texas A&M that you could visibly see on the field on Saturday? Surprisingly, it was along the, the, the lines of scrimmage, which we feel like in the SEC is always going to be a factor. When you can build your lines of scrimmage, the offensive line and the defensive line, to where you want it and bring in highly rated recruits on both sides of the ball, which Freeze has done in the last year, they're just not on campus yet, then you know Texas A&M's defensive line was very, very impressive to me. And I felt like the offensive line room with Auburn was going to be a significantly higher uh, performance level notch. Now, they're better than last year, there's no doubt. But they're not where they need to be, and Saturday showed me that on two fronts. Texas A&M's defensive line whipped our offensive tackles and our offensive guards and our offensive line a lot and got in the backfield. Some of that was, as we've heard at nauseum, Peyton Thorne holding on to the ball too long, and he did. He did hold on. He looked scared. He looked skittish. He had happy feet. You could throw out all the adjectives you want. They were there. He did. But other times, he didn't have a chance to blink. He didn't have a chance to check down right. and throw the quick slant because they were in his. They were in the backfield. And say, now, the thing, though, that's, that's confusing about that is where Auburn didn't get dominated was when they ran the ball. I mean, they, they did a good job of getting a little push, getting running lanes, and actually running for some good yards. So... I think pass protection was a problem. A&M's defensive tackles and defensive line, you know, really manhandled. And then obviously Auburn didn't get any push, any pressure on Wegman. They did hit him in the end zone, but the ball was already released. And then with Max Johnson coming in, he had all day. And so that was probably the biggest surprise as far as the disadvantage that I saw. Daryl Dapper is joining us on the phone lines. He's with us every single Tuesday at 3.30. He makes frequent appearances on Locked on Auburn and uh, other radio shows around around the state, and especially here in the area. Daryl, coming out of this Texas A&M game, it was a game where Auburn was not favored, uh, one of the next few that they're not going to be favored against uh, SEC opponents, and it seemed like you know Auburn fans had some confidence going into the game, and then there was some disappointment coming out of the game, and we know how bad Auburn fans want to win right now, right? We understand that Auburn wants success. We know the past about uh, former coaches and early on in their careers at Auburn having that success. You had a really, really good tweet about that that um, that has really gained some traction on the Twitter X whatever you want to call it um, and, and Freeze talked about that yesterday he called out some Auburn fans not in a bad way I don't think but he talked about sort of limiting those expectations and realizing and understanding that Auburn's just not where they need to be right now you're just your comments about what he had to say and just the expectations overall for Auburn fans this and another subject that we'll get to in a minute is the reason why we live in a microwave society and people are only concerned about the here and now. There, there are everything, and it's not just society. It's politics. It's religion. You can go 
down the list. I'm about to get a little deep here. You can go down the list of things as where we are, and everything is about instant gratification and forgetting history and, and forgetting anything that happened past a week ago. The, the, the problem is that we don't have to see things in absolutes, and that's what it's become in this life is everything is this or that. Two things can be true at the same time, and I'm tired of that not being a narrative. You can be absolutely embarrassed with the way this Auburn team played last Saturday offensively and be upset and be mad at the way they lost, not only that they lost, but then not throw the baby out with the bathwater and start calling for a coach's job four games in and start talking about, well, maybe it wasn't the previous coaching staff's fault. All that is because Auburn fans, are a lot of them, not all of them, are looking right now in this microwave society. The greatest coach of all time at Auburn only won five games his first year. Pat Dye. Tommy Doverville won five games his first year. But because there's a transfer portal and because there's NIL and because Terry Bowden won his first 20 and Gus Malzahn played for a national championship his first year and Gene Chizik won one his second year, everybody is spoiled and expects there to be instant success. And it's it's not that way every time. What, what those three men did, Bowden, Chizik, and Malzahn is the outlier. It's the exception. It's, it's going to be more like what Pat Dye built and what Tommy Tuberville built. It's going to take a while. And I talked about Saban and Kirk, Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart went 8-5 and five his first year, but he had to go to a bowl game to do it to win eight games. He lost to Hugh Freeze, who blew him out at Ole Miss. He lost to a horrible Vandy team and a horrible Georgia Tech team. Alabama, their first year under Nick Saban, went 6-6. Six and six. Didn't even have a winning record in the regular season and lost to Louisiana Monroe. So, I mean, you know, I guess I want people to put this in perspective and understand that the, the, the unrealistic expectations come from probably a lot of the momentum that was built up in the offseason. I get that. And, you know, we kept saying proof of concept, proof of concept. Let's see what happens on the field. Hugh Freeze came in and did a great job in the transfer portal. What did he end up, Jacob? fourth or fifth, I think, in the ratings mm-hmm. with the transfer portal. Look what he did in the recruiting class that he salvaged and moved way up the chart. And then look what he's doing with the 2024 class already. He flips Can Lee and Falk. So people see the off-the-field stuff, and I get it. I want to see results. I'm as competitive as the next person. But understand history and understand that it's not it, – it, if, you, if you're a fan and, and people that are were in the comment section on YouTube were like, talking to me and Zach saying, who are you to tell us as fans how to, how to act? Okay, fine. Act how you want. But it is embarrassing. And it is a perception thing. And I'm somebody who's followed Auburn football for 40 years or co- you know covered it for the last decade. So I know the history and the trajectory of this program from the, the guys that get quick results and then the guys that build something. Um, I, that's what's disappointing. As you can... You can believe both. You don't have to, you know, you can be disappointed with Saturday. You can be concerned about the quarterback play. You can hold this coaching staff from a play calling standpoint to a higher standard, but you don't, you don't absolutely hit the panic button when you're three and one and start talking about, you know, (laughs) we need to go in a different direction. I mean, it is so soon. It's just pump the brakes and relax a little bit. That's all I'm saying. And I think that people were spoiled because of the, the outlier with some other coaches that that had the exception rather than the rule. 
I think it's a really uh, passionate response by you. I think it's a very real response by you, and and I think it's something that needs to be needs to be said, needs to be heard by by very very many um, uh, around this team, around this town, around this fan base. And that's not anything against them. I just think it's a, a little dose of reality sometimes. Uh, Daryl never really hurts anybody, and so uh, I I'm going to leave your comments at that because I think they were just spot on. As we flip the page to Georgia Week, Georgia, yeah. yes, oh, as, yeah. yes, Georgia Week. Um, let, me, <laughs> let me adjust my seat here. Let me get adjusted in my seat. <laughs> That's right. Get, get I don't your... want to sound like that rapper that says, "Let me clear my throat," but I that, had that little something in there. That's pretty much what Daryl's about to do, folks. Well, <laughs> it is Georgia Week, and we know a lot of Auburn fans are very, very passionate about this week, and rightfully so. This is the Deep South's oldest rivalry. It is a heated rivalry, whether people think it is or not there is a little bit of hatred here between Auburn and Georgia and it may take head coach Hugh Freeze a little bit of time to figure that out and somebody in the media on Monday said yeah you'll find out real soon he had some comments he talked about how he doesn't motivate his team through hate he tries to use love and the love for Auburn and I love that part of it but Daryl there's some hate between Auburn and Georgia this week when they come to Jordan-Hare Stadium there is. He didn't. I will say this. It, it's absolutely ludicrous that people are jumping all over him for that. I don't want to sound like a freeze apologist because I don't think he handled that well. And I cringed when he said it because he just didn't. He handled it where he's at in his views about because hate only takes you so far in a football game. Hate isn't what drags you across the goal line in the fourth quarter when you're struggling on a torn hamstring. Mm-hmm. Or hate's not what. What does that is the love of your school, your teammates, your coach, your fan base. So I know that sounds hokey, but there's something true in that. Hate wears off once you go helmet to helmet with somebody. It does. You can get all fired up, talk all that smack, get all that motivation with bulletin board material and all that, and it it eventually subsides. Hate doesn't carry you over the finish line. I get what he's saying. But there is a hatred for both schools. But again, I will say this. We live in a society that just remembers last week. People, and, I, and I know that Bill Cameron, if he's listening, can vouch for this because one of the very first call-in shows I ever listened to when I was a 23-year-old, 22-year-old college student living in Montgomery when I just moved here was Bill's show in the afternoon out of Montgomery. And I remember distinctly guys like him, Doug Amos, John Longshore, Jim Fife, Charlie Trotman, Talking about the Georgia rivalry back then, this would have been early 90s, mid to late 90s, and they said there's a healthy respect. They want to win this game really, really bad. It's a neighborly rivalry. They, they, they are passionate and competitive. But the nastiness and the hate just isn't there like there is in Miami, Florida State, or Auburn, Alabama, or you know they mentioned some other big rivalries at the time. So for for someone to say that is not out of bounds or out of the out of the out of the ordinary. It was like that. It was a little bit more of a friendly rivalry. Everything changed when Auburn won the national championship in 2010 and Georgia was sitting on 1980 and hadn't won in forever. It changed. The Cam Newton thing changed Georgia and the Nick Fairley game against Aaron Murray yep. who is still butt hurt when he comes to Jordan Hare and talks about it when he's got a hot mic and doesn't realize that he's still on the air. He, that changed it. That flipped the rivalry. That rivalry was civil, heated, passionate, competitive, but clean, and not nasty, and not as much hatred and venom. 
it changed in 2010, and it absolutely positively is now. It is. It's just, but back in the late 80s, early 90s, I'm telling you, Auburn fans would have rather beat Spurrier than Ray Goff. It's just fact. Mm. And when Mark Richt came, who was a great guy, good Christian guy, in Facing the Giants movie, if you've ever met Mark Richt, and I have, you can't help but like him. Kirby Smart's a different dude. You hate him. You don't like him in his bowl cut haircut and his visor and all that stuff. <laughs> he was the Steve Spurrier's visor and people calling for Spurrier and saying, I don't like him wearing that little visor. That is where all that comes from. People wanted to beat – Auburn fans wanted to beat Florida worse in the 90s than they did Georgia because Georgia wasn't what they are now. Kirby Smart, the 2010 game, and Kirby Smart has elevated this into a nasty, hated, hated rivalry. But well, it never it wasn't it wasn't twenty or twenty five years ago. Right. Well success brings on hatred, right? That's why the entire country hates Alabama because they've been so good. Obviously Auburn's hated them forever, but Georgia then started hating Auburn because they got successful and won a national championship. And now Auburn fans hate Georgia because they're tired of seeing the Bulldogs win national championships and steal all their players right. and, and take players away from Auburn. And so I'm with you, man. The the hate is there, believe me, from all my buddies in college, but when I was at Auburn, people they love Georgia week, but they hate the Georgia Bulldogs, and that's what makes college football well, so exciting. Well, when people exciting. bark at you too, when you get when you get grown men barking yes. at you outside oh. the stadium, it's a little difficult to not hate that. Could you ever do that? Could you ever see yourself no. on all fours no. barking at somebody, Daryl? Be no. honest. No, never. <laughs> not if it was to win a bet at a karaoke bar. I would never even do that. I mean, I just don't. I don't know. It's a whole. It, the video footage of some of that stuff is just. It's puzzling. So, yeah, there's enough hatred, but in all fairness, 25, 30 years ago, that's exactly how the rivalry was described. So, a little bit different then. That's right. Well, it will be alive and well in Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday. Auburn taking on Georgia. Looking forward to it, Daryl. I, I, man, I just love having you on the show and talking with you. And you tell it, look, you fall right in line with our show motto. You tell it like it is, and you hold oh, nothing you. back. And I absolutely <laughs> love it, Daryl. That is who you are. If anybody knows you outside of here, and a lot of people do, they know that's exactly who you are. So, I appreciate you as always, man. Tell everybody where they can find you and everything that you're doing throughout the week, man. Fridays, uh, Locked on Auburn with Zach, and then imme- and immediately following the uh, all the Auburn football games, we record a reaction show that we drop Sunday mornings. I'm on Monday morning, 710, with Ben Taylor at WANI, and, of course, on the line at 3.30 on Tuesdays. Love it. Awesome, man. Hey, we're looking forward to it. Should be uh, It's going to be a tough game on Saturday, but looking forward to getting your comments and your thoughts on the game afterwards next Tuesday right here on ESPN. Sounds good. Have a great week, brother. Thanks, Daryl. Appreciate it as always. We appreciate Daryl Dapperich. He's a lot of fun to talk to. And, man, you can tell he gets fired up about a game just like this. Auburn and Georgia coming up this weekend. we got to get to our final break. We'll come back and wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up the Tuesday edition of On the Line, how about Daryl Dapperich? How about Double D who joins me every mo- or every Tuesday here on the show? I mean, you, you can tell he's been around it a long time. You can tell that he's passionate about it and you can tell that he's extremely knowledgeable about Auburn and Auburn football, Auburn athletics. And, man, I just – I really do enjoy 
talking with him each and every week on the show. Him and I are great friends outside of here as well. I, I, I say this all the time. I've really enjoyed getting to know Daryl um, this past year or so, really just the past few months. And he's just so much fun. And he came on and we didn't even get to talk about the Auburn and Georgia game itself because there was so much to cover from Auburn, Texas A&M. And then the comments from Hugh Freeze and the response to those comments from Auburn fans about the Auburn-Georgia game, that was enough to fill an entire segment. And we could have gone on for hours, folks, I'm telling you. But um, I appreciate Daryl. Go check him out on Twitter and check him out on Locked on Auburn on Fridays as well. And then on Saturdays, the recap show uh, with Zach Blackerby there for Locked on Auburn. But but Darrell is awesome, and his comments are spot on. I mean, his comments about the expectations for Auburn fans, that was really, really good. I had nothing else to add to that, and I will leave it right there because um, I think he's exactly right talking about how not just Auburn fans, okay, let, let's go ahead and just say that. Not just Auburn fans, but just sports fans in general people in general expectations are extremely high and everybody wants it now you want everything right now oh I want more money now I want this job now I want my food right now like everybody is such a right now person there's no patience there's no humility there's no respect and there's no uh, I mean whatever word you want to put in there Uh, I mean that's just where society is nowadays and it's sad it really is sad and we know what the turnovers like in college football we know that we know that a head coach has no time to build a program and be successful even with the transfer portal it still takes time and that's what Auburn fans need to give Hugh Freeze and I think if they do that he will be successful here when it comes to Auburn Georgia really quickly there is a hatred there I promise you, with my generation, with an older generation, and with even older generations, there's a hate for Auburn and Georgia. You're going to see it on Saturday when there's over 88,000 fans screaming loud and proud in Jordan-Hare when the Georgia Bulldogs come out. I promise you, people don't like Georgia. And I said this, success brings out hate. And that's what Georgia's done so far. They're back-to-back national champs. And everybody hates that. We'll talk some more about it tomorrow for Rivalry Wednesday with Jordan Hill of Dogs 247 about the Georgia Bulldogs and Austin Hannon of Bama Central for Rivalry Wednesday tomorrow. Don't you miss it. Two to four right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.